If the offense is triangular, it's something like a prism. Put you on that lockdown defense like a prison. Hakeem was the dream. The MVPs must be his children. They won 22 games in a row. That's a rhythm. Triple double rust, man. I need you to acknowledge he don't do this for the optics, man. He do this for the rockets. Welcome to a new episode of Brody and the Beard on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm your host, Mo Dekeel. With me, as always, is my man on the ground, except he's not in the bubble this time. I kind of like how that one works. Uh, Kelly Eco, athletic beat writer, covers the Houston Rockets. He's got all the ins and outs. Kelly, how you doing? I'm doing good, Mo. How about yourself? Yeah, I'm doing better than the Rockets right now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I think hey, I think we were right. You know, I, last week I thought we were wrong about the... Uh, the series length, but now I think it's going to go the distance. Yeah, you know, it's funny how, how two games can change everything, right? <laughs> like, right. Like the first two games, I was like, man, this might be a sweep. This thing, we we might be talking about the second round on Tuesday. And then, <laughs> and now Lo it's and like, behold. oh, no, we're going to be, <laughs> this turned into a dogfight. Uh, <laughs> um, Kelly, it's it's been a very interesting turn of events, you know, uh, Lou Dort has come in and and really has kind of changed a lot of things. You know, uh, just talk about what you've seen over these two games, you know, games three and four, and and what – just talk about it, Kelly. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's the most important thing, obviously, uh, Lou Dort and his impact. Um, The Rockets kind of downplayed his a bit if you go back to game two. Um, But – you're seeing in game three and four, you know, much more high, high ball screens, you know, trying to get him off of James. I think the most important thing is that the Thunder have been gray in the clutch and the Rockets have not. Obviously, during the regular season, they were the number one team for a reason in the last five minutes of a game. But it just seems like the Rockets haven't been able to match the Thunder's efficiency. You know, it could be, you know, the, sm- the three guards, you know, Dennis Schroeder, being a thorn in the rocket side as usual. Chris Paul's brilliance, you know, Shea Gibbs, Alexander, just his steady contributions. Um, but it just seems all, it just seems like to me the Rockets kind of took the foot off the gas and they, they played sloppy down the stretch. They they Everything that they did to get them two games up, they forgot all their morals, and, and you're seeing it right now. Yeah, it's interesting, like, the, the efficiency, like, just in game four alone, like, they're shooting almost – almost 50% from three, 19 to 39 in the first three quarters, and then just go through a massive drought in the fourth quarter and go four of 19. Like, that's that's brutal. That That's going from 48% to 21%. And, and for a team who likes to get the three-point shot, three shot off, it's massive. And I think, you know, we're starting yeah. to see things kind of change a little bit. I think defensively... <clears throat> I think the the Rockets are fine. Excuse me. I think offensively, the Thunder are finding ways to get hardened in the pick and rolls, and I think that's kind of becoming a problem in the fourth quarter. You could see Chris Paul really kind of hunting James down in the right. fourth, trying to get the switch and then attack immediately. <clears throat> if you can, it, it almost seems like it almost seems like James doesn't want to guard Chris Paul. I don't know if you see like the body movement, but. Anytime Chris is on him, apart from that one steal, uh, it just seems like he puts his hands back. I don't know. It's been odd just seeing them, you know, in the few times they've been head-to-head with each other. But um, I'm not exactly sure why 
he doesn't want to play him as aggressively as Chris plays him. Yeah, I think part of it is if he does push up on him, he's worried that he's going to get beat off the dribble. And it happened a few times, you know, especially late in the game. And, you know, I mean, Chris hit a mid-range jumper in his face. Chris blew by him on one, you know, after coming on the screen and getting the pick and then just got straight to the rim pretty easily. So, And that's something that Chris wasn't able to do in those first two games. And I think that's something that's an issue you know, for the the Rockets to have to figure out. And this is something I, this is why I thought it would be a longer series. I thought the Thunder were going to be doing this from game one, but it it, it didn't seem to be something until game three. And, and, you know, the biggest thing that we talked about in this series was going to be the the chess match between, you know, D'Antoni and, and Billy Donovan. Now you're seeing in the last two games, the Thunder have a small lineup that's actually playing better than the Rockets in the, in the stretch. I think the minutes that, that Steven Adams has sat at the end of games with the Gallinari at the five, they've played pretty well. And I don't think the Rockets have kind of figured that out. I think I read in Seth's piece today that, you know, the Rockets kind of built this style to take teams out of their comfortability zone. But... Did they ever think of teams also going to match them? You know, like the Thunder have matched them and they've actually beat them the last two games. So I'm not sure what the next tweak is. I think that Mike has to – he has some work to do. I like that, that, that's, that's just because the Thunder have taken all the momentum, you know, going forward. And now it's 2-2, but I know history tells us that 93% of teams that go two up, you know, go on to the next series, but – the Rockets have actually lost twice, two of those times in the last 15 years in that same scenario. So, I don't know. I mean, it's interesting because, you know, like I always kind of talked about it where I felt like the Clippers had the best small ball lineup, you know, that, that yeah. can go at the the Rockets. And it's surprising to see the Thunder go to it. It all comes down to just being able to knock down shots. I mean, there was a, a critical shot that P.J. Tucker missed wide open in the corner when they were down three oh, that could have tied the game. And, tied the game, And would it would have changed things. And I think, you know, it's it's just those things. Like, you just can't go through these stretches of 4-19 in any quarter, but especially the fourth quarter, right? Like, that becomes a problem. You know, the other thing, too, is defensively, they're fouling a lot. You can argue whether these are fouls or not or things like that and, and all that. But, you know, they, they shot – I'm pulling up the stats, so excuse me. You know, they shot 28 free throws to the Rockets' 10, you know, and we can argue the officiating or whatnot, but that still shouldn't happen. I think part of it is the pressure the Thunder put at the rim that kind of leads to some of these fouls, and, and yeah, it it just – it gets really tough in that scenario. You know, we talk about they've done a good job rebounding. You know, the rebounding margins have not been – bad. I mean, they only lost this battle by six today, like, or, or yesterday. But, but I, th- I think in, in that game four, the difference was, even though they only lost the rebounding battle by six, um, the nine offensive rebounds for the Thunder turned into 17 second-chance points. And D'Antoni hates that because in a game this tight, you know, you're going to have to find some way to get an advantage. And if they can get 17 easy, you know, putbacks, you know, that's that's terrible, you know, to, to manage. So I think where Mike has to improve, honestly, is number one, the rotations. Um, I think 
it hasn't been that great of a job in game three and four. You know, Austin Rivers, Ben McElmore, they haven't really played much. Um, if you look at Dennis Schroeder's efficiency, he's actually attacking, you know, Jeff Green and Covington off the dribble. You know, I think Jeff Green, I think he scored 26 on him on 11, 11 makes, 22 shots. And Covington, I think it's uh, 14 or something like that. So there's a problem there. And the, the, the Thunder's three-guard lineup is designed to obviously put pressure on defenses. But the reason why they're so effective is because each guard can do different things. And Schroeder is great at having you know a quirky jumper to get guys off their rhythm. He's really quick going downhill, and he's crafty. You know Jeff Green and Robert Covington; those are guys that are designed to guard you know bigger players. And I don't think I think the Rockets should use Austin Rivers more, you know, in terms of guarding those those quicker guards. But we haven't seen it so far. Let's take a moment here to pause for a word from our sponsors. Yeah, Austin's only played 14 minutes, and lo and behold, we're back to an eight-man rotation as well. It's not <laughs> barely that, too, right? <laughs> like, it's really seven and a half. If Austin's only playing 14 minutes, that's, you know, a couple minutes each quarter. That's about it. So I think that's the uh, that's a really good observation there and could be interesting. I mean, Jeff Green's been good in this series, and, you yeah. know, something I want to point out and – you know, Kevin O'Connor wrote a piece on the ringer about Jeff Green's emergence on this team in, in the playoffs is the the Rockets and this is a positive thing, so everybody can can enjoy this one for a little bit before I go back to being negative Mo. The the Rockets have been using James as a screener more often. I believe before yesterday's game, uh KOC had a stat of the Rockets were eleven for twenty six you know, 11 or 26 times. Let me pull up the stat. I had it up a second ago and I lost it and <laughs> I suck. Uh, but the point is they're getting a lot of great stuff out of Jeff green coming off of a James Harden screen. And this is something I've been asking you for Kelly for a long time is, you know, they got to get using Harden as a screener, using him off ball, I think opens up so many more things for them offensively. And it's, and it's showing up and, and here we go. He's been a screener 24 times. The Rockets have shot 11 for 17 out of that for 26 points. And that's just through the first three games. It doesn't, that is incredible. Yeah, and it doesn't include yesterday's game. But the other thing, too, no. is I didn't see much of that in the fourth quarter of yesterday's game. That Exactly, and that's what I'm saying. Like, It seems like the Rockets had, okay, three and a half quarters in, you know, after the Rockets hit eight straight threes and you're seeing the Thunder kind of teetering a little bit, you're thinking, okay, the Rockets have done it everything they can to go up there one of the series. They made all the right adjustments. You know, they had Dorton foul trouble. They had Harden, you know, in a rhythm. And they had the offense clicking. In the fourth quarter, if it's fatigue, if it's old habits dying hard, they went away from everything they did to get them there. And I think that's the most frustrating thing about people who watch the series because why would you just go up out of the playbook from what, you know, has worked? I just think it's part of either you're being tired, you know, the minutes are piling up, or, you know, just playing sloppy. I don't know what it is. It's like it's not sloppy because it's just a bit of everything. Old habits dying hard, you know, fatigue, and, and just a lack of execution. Well, part of it, too, was the 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 they went to the ISO game at the end of the game, really, you know, for, right. for James. And I think that was kind of part of it. And it's just, 
it's tough because like he's still a damn good ISO player, right? It just wasn't. Right. And again, Kelly, like they just missed shots. They weren't getting bad shots. You know, it's just it just came down to shot making, really. Down. But how many times have we said that? Like there, and one and one thing I don't like about it is this: when you look at shooting percentages, you know sometimes they lie. Like for example, Tucker is what forty percent for the playoffs, I, I believe. I'm not sure. Uh, I have to fact check that. But it seems to me like in the game, they miss a lot of momentum changing threes. And they're usually great looks. Like, Tucker should have knocked that down nine times out of ten with his eyes closed. And he didn't. And in game three, you could put, you could say that about anybody else. Like, it's just they're not capitalizing on, on times to make shots. And I think in the end, it, it might hurt them. Yeah, I mean, time, it has so far. timely shot making really matters. And I pulled it up while you were talking. Tucker shooting 44% from three in the playoffs. You know, it, it just goes back to one, those shots come through and, and things like that. I think they need to mix that stuff in more often. I think there's this is stuff I've been clamoring for all year. I mean, I'm sure you're tired of it. I'm sure the listeners have been tired of it. been saying you got to change up some stuff here. And using hard and off ball, I think, is a, it, such a valuable weapon. You know, and I think it's just the start, but it's the tip of the iceberg. I don't know if we'll ever get to see the full iceberg, considering we might not uh, get to see D'Antoni after this year coach this team. But I think there are opportunities there that the the Rockets can take advantage of. The other thing, and we got to talk about it because you mentioned it already with Seth's article. You know, the the Rockets have had to go to a lot more pick and rolls with Dort on Harden. I mean, he's. I don't want to fully say he swung the series. He's he's a liability on offense for the Thunder. But it, it's it's changed their game plan a bit because James just can't blow by him. No, he, he's sticking to him like glue. And, and, and you're seeing them have to, I guess, manufacture offense in different ways. You know, like you said, using him as a screener, having Jeff or Covington, you know, set those high school or Tucker. But one thing I want to see in game five is – more deliberate screens, you know. Obviously, Clint Capella was the best at doing that, just given his wide frame and everything. But it seems to me like the Rockets' guards and wings don't put enough emphasis on those screens, and Dort's able to either get over them or just push them away altogether. So I want to see more of that going forward. Yeah, I think going into the next game, I just want to see more movement. And they had it. Like, when they were cooking in the first yeah, they quarters— had it. There was movement. And it was a close game still. It was tight. I mean, they have to close quarters better. They can't allow the Thunder to go on a 12-0 run to end the third. And and it really turned into a 14-0 run because the Thunder scored the next possession to start the fourth quarter. You know, you that's I mean, that's where their lead went away. They were up 13. You, you know, and you give up a 14-0 run, you're, you're in trouble. And that was just within the last three minutes. So they got to end quarters better. But I just want to – I don't want to see them panic – and get away from the ball movement, get away from hard and screening, get away from, you know, trying to just lock things down defensively. They're going to have right. to figure out how to get Harden out of those switches, you know, so he doesn't end up on Chris Paul, doesn't end up on Dennis Schroeder, doesn't end up on Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Like, those are tough assignments for, for Harden. Him having to defend in space is an issue, and I think those are going to be the, the things. They might have to figure out how to pre-switch you know, so that he doesn't end up in those situations, but that's very difficult to begin with. So, it's, I mean, there's a lot of questions. 
I think it changes if they make a lot of shots in their fourth quarter and, and, and right. things. It's a different story, and, and I think we'd be all right. But I want to ask you something. Go for um, it. You talked about panic. Obviously, Russ hasn't played this series. Could you see them kind of having more of an urge to play him in Game 5? Because if you lose, if they go up 3-2, if the Thunder go up 3-2, this is over. Um, I just don't think they're coming back for it. But if you want to prevent that, you know, could you see them, you know, putting him in this in the lineup? I mean, go, going back to your Clippers time, I remember there was time when Chris, Chris was out and, you know, the Clippers were debating him, you know, putting it's, him in the series, but... It, it, what is your overall stance on that? It is such a risky proposition, Kelly. You know, we saw it with KD last year. You know, and it's it's not just like, am I concerned about this injury? You know, the this is going to be scientific mo now. Um, the the body is so connected that you know, like if your right quad hurts, your left leg is going to overcompensate, and that can lead to an injury on your left side, or you know, or something. A weakness in your calf or, or, or things like that like there's just so many different variables and I'm super cautious of these things especially when it's going forward you know you there's a lot of money invested in Russ like it's it's a disaster if you put him in this game and midway through the third quarter you know he, he tears his quad you know, now you're looking at surgeries. Now you're looking at a much longer recovery time, and that's going to bleed into next season. Probably. We have no idea when next season's going to start. That's a whole other issue. Right. But, you know, it's a risky proposition in that sense. I know the urge is, yo, we need you. You got to come out here. You got to play hurt. We, we, we got to have you. And I think in the old days you would have that. But I don't know if it's smart, Kelly. I mean, really, we don't know how far along he is right like we only get the reports that we get you know you you're hitting up your sources but they're only giving you so much you know and we see stuff but like it's hard and then because it's a leg injury i'm not sure how much his his stamina is up and his wind is ready to roll right and this is going to be a playoff game and it's a battle in that scenario and look you know that that little man on the other side chris paul really wants this that's a bad that's a bad man right there yeah you know he really wants this so i think there's a concern with all of that so there's a lot to weigh in it's it's hard i probably would err on being cautious and just say hey it's it's not worth the risk but so are you saying he shouldn't play in the first round at all yeah, I mean, I've I've been going through this from the beginning, and I think I said it early in the podcast. I've just been operating on the assumption he wasn't going to play in the first round, even if it goes seven games, just because I don't think it's a risk you worth taking. You know, if if even if you you play him and and you win the series but lose him for the next round, it's almost a a a, a dark victory, right? Like you know, because you're going to need him in the next round for sure. And I think that's that's one of those things. So it's it's such a tough thing, Kelly, and I, and I hate to kind of give you a non-answer. I don't know what, what the Rockets should do because obviously we don't know full, how close he is to coming back or not. But I just wouldn't risk it if I don't feel like he's, you know, close to 100%. It's, it's, it's certainly a, a tricky, you know, proposition. Would you do it's, it? 
No, I wouldn't do it because, like you said, it's like if they win, it's it's the current meme. Like I've won, but at what cost? Like right. Because if if you go to the Lakers next round without Russ, you might as well book them flights back to Houston. <laughs> I mean, you might so. be doing that anyways with Russ, but. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Like I didn't want to say it, but hey, <laughs> I mean, but it's a, it's 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 a challenging thing. Let's as we wrap up though, real quickly, Kelly. Predictions for Game Five? Are we looking at? I think I think they win. I, I think they'll see in Game Four. If they, if they didn't see it in Game Three's film, they certainly saw it in Game Four, where they just have to be better. Like just have to play smarter. Don't need James taking thirty-five footers in the fourth quarter. It's not going to go down. Yeah, and if it is, and if it is, it's just for Sports Center. Like that's not, that's not a, it's not a good basketball. They just have to play smarter down the stretch, um, more cohesive, and they have to be able to match the Thunder's energy. I think Russ does a lot of that by himself, but without him, you have to compensate and look for places elsewhere. You know. Better rotations, like more defined rotations. I don't, I don't need to see thirty-two minutes from Jeff and then eight from Ben and fit, like that's not, that's not good. Like you just have to, everyone has to overall just be better. I think that's how you can beat them because you can beat the Thunder and you could make the case that, you know, each of these four games has been winnable. Like at some point for the Rockets, they just for whatever reason they they threw it away and in Game Five now. It, the pressure is squarely on your shoulders now because you're the better team. You're viewed as, you know, the contender. You know, everything on the line, D'Antoni's situation, you know, Harden and Russ's legacy, everything's on the line in this in this bubble. Like, I was of the belief before the bubble that this thing wouldn't really matter, but it does. Like, like it's still, at the end of the day, there's still NBA players playing an NBA game. Yeah, I, that's... Know? the way I look at it once the the ball is tipped I think you know one thing is they got to stop fouling they're giving up close to 26 27 free throw attempts a game that's up from the uh, 23.7 during the regular season so I think that's kind of an issue and I think they just keep using Harden as as a screener Uh, another fun stat for you Kelly and this is uh, I did my homework, folks. I actually did my homework. It's it's you you know I I've been on top of it. <laughs> the Rockets uh, James Harden screen assists in the regular season is zero point four. And like we can talk, we can make fun of screen assists or whatever. But you know he had zero point he averaged zero point four screen assists a game in the regular season. Do you want to guess, Kelly, how much he's averaged in this playoff series? Three point six. Okay, like now you're just going completely absurd, uh, but 1.8, which is still almost three times the. <laughs> oh, oh, I thought you meant game four. I, I didn't. I mean game three and four. I didn't mean for the whole series. For okay. the for the whole series, so 1.8, and I think that's kind of been the, uh, really has opened things up for them offensively. I think I'd like to see more of that. I think, you know, I don't think they should go away from that in the fourth quarter. It's something that's clearly working. It's making it difficult for the Thunder defensively to be able to to help on drives as the guys coming off the the pick and recover back to James. So I think that's something I'd like to see. But ultimately, I think they win Game Five. I think they shoot the ball pretty well. I don't think they go through a four for nineteen uh, three point drought in the fourth quarter again. 
I know, I know, but I'm holding out faith, Kelly. I'm going to be positive. I'm going to be positive. I'm holding out faith. Uh, so for Kelly Eco, for Mo DeKeel, for our super producer, Andrew Schlecht, we out.